0: Uh, But he had, like so many undercover sort of agents, had learned many languages, including German, and so he is dressed in a German uniform, and he's in a pub where they're supposed to meet their their, uh, secret agent, the double agent, and and they're sitting around and they're, they're, you know, having some conversation and trying to mind their own business and, and hoping to have this kind of clandestine meeting and then sneak out. Well, it just so happened that in the same pub, there's another German soldier who's a Really a German soldier, an authentic German officer who's in there. And he comes over and sits down at the, at the table with the imposters. And you can feel the tension, you know, you're afraid, oh no, these guys are going to get caught. But it seems, they seem so smooth. And and, and the main the, the, the Englishman who, who speaks this fluent German, you're just convinced that he's a German. But the German knows he's not a German. He, he can't really tell what it is. You know, the uniform is correct. The language is there. It's all the proper accent. There's a, everything seems, but there's something that's just not right. And so he, he, he questions, you know, where, what part of the country are you from? And, and he's trying to be aloof and, and, and not answer the question, but he eventually does. I'm from the northern mountain country, you know. We all sort of talk like this. And, and, and yeah, maybe that's not it. There's something else. And, and, and he's just about convinced that, that the, the, the German is, is just about convinced that they're authentic. And he's, a, he's a ready to go. And, and he says, how about one more round? And so the Englishman, who's pretending to be a German, says, yeah, we'll have, we'll have three more, um, whatever, we're drinking. And he holds up three fingers just like this. And that's when the German knows he's a fraud. He says, everybody from the hill country in the northern part makes a three like this. You know, with the first three fingers, not the last three on your hand. And they knew he was a fraud. It, they, there was something about him. And of course it, it explodes, and there 's lots of gunfire and and, and he, the undercover operative is outed sometimes it 's hard to spot a phony isn 't it I mean sometimes well you know they 're really good I, I used to work at a uh, at office supply store and, and I remember that uh, the secret service came in one time. There were counterfeit bills in our up and down the street that people had been using and you know, if you ever seen a counterfeit bill, they look really good. You know, I mean, it was hard not to believe. Well, of course, somebody would have taken that. Sometimes you have to be quite an expert. You have to look look very intently to spot the real thing versus spotting a counterfeit. Well, I mean, other places like in me, you know, I, I've just developed this love for sushi. You know, but when I go into a Japanese restaurant, it takes me forever to look at a menu. You know, I'm not sure what I like. I, I know I like some things. I know I don't like others. And so, I, you know, I'm looking. I'm not an expert. My friend Beth, she goes in and she doesn't even look at the menu. She tells the, she tells the cook to cook up something and he doesn't even have a menu. You know, like, put it in this fresh wrap. How do you do that? You know, I'm a novice. I'm not an expert. And it shows right away. Sometimes it's in our accent. Sometimes it's, You know, little things. Give away the experts don't they i'm walking in a store today and this woman says to me you know i'm dressed like this <laughs> not all of this but you know get this shirt on backwards a bit and um, and, and so i walk into the store today and, and it happens every well probably not every day but every week it happens i walk into a store or a pub or a restaurant or something like that and someone says you know i have this question i want to ask you <laughs> like they've known me all their life you know and and, and i'm happy to a- answer it and And I did, I answered this question for this woman. She spotted me, you know, it's that uniform, gives you away. You're on the inside there, and so I want to know. But how can you tell if a person is an authentic Christian? And how can you tell if someone is an authentic Christian? Well, you say, they pray, maybe they read the Bible, they go to church, they help needy people. You know what? Jesus said there are people who do all those things and they're not authentic believers. Did you hear him? He said it. They were he called it, what did he call them? He called them hypocrites, didn't he? They hypocrites, they love to stand on the street corners and pray. They love to, to ring a bell or sound a trumpet before they give away money so that everybody sees them doing it. They love to be noticed for their good deeds. Yes. Christians, authentic followers of God, do these things. They read their Bible. They give to the poor. They help the needy. They they go to church. They receive the sacrament. But that doesn't make them Christian. It doesn't make them Christian that they do these things. They do these things because they are. And so the beware, I don't know if you noticed it, the very first word in this sentence was Beware. Be careful. Be on your guard in the gospel lesson. Beware of what? Beware of doing righteousness. Notice that phrase. Beware of doing righteousness. Not beware of being righteous. You You don't have to beware of being righteous. Be righteous. That's fine. Beware of doing righteousness. Uh, this word is in, in Greek, it, it, in Matthew's gospel, it was written in Greek. But this cries out for a Hebrew translation that Jesus surely would have spoke. Beware of doing, sadek in Hebrew. Doing right things. Beware of doing the sort of good things, we might even say. Why would we be aware of doing good? I mean, does it really hurt? I mean, motivation, motivation, you know, whatever. Just do the good. No, it does matter. Yes, it's great if someone gets fed and they get fed for the wrong reason. I'm sure they appreciate the meal at the end of the day. But for the one who does them, Jesus says, there's only one way that it matters. It only matters if they do it for God and God alone. Beware of doing behavior. Beware of practicing some sort of behavior so that somebody else sees you doing it. It goes right to the issue of motivation, doesn't it? Why? Tell me, why are you doing these things? Well, I'm doing them because of fill-in-the-blank. Beware of doing things before people. Beware of doing things so that other people see us. I've noticed, and maybe you have too, that the idea of Lent is kind of making a comeback. Have you noticed this? I mean, it's everywhere now. I even know a lot of, uh, you know, I, I taught at an evangelical university. They were Protestants and and, and you know, ten years ago, nobody had heard of Lent there. And now, you know, they keep Lent. They, they keep disciplines. They, people, you know, students will tell me what they're fasting, what they're not, you know, all this sort of thing. And on the one hand, I think it's really good. I'm excited to see more people taking seriously, you know, the whole idea of redeeming time. idea of, of keeping the church calendar. But on the other hand, it disturbs me and distresses me. You know, I... I You should keep it, and I should know what you're keeping it. You know, your fasting is not about telling me, your professor, I would tell them. Your fasting is about what you do before the Lord. And this is just a small thing, isn't it? Our fasting is just a small thing. It's that little pain in your stomach when you say, Oh, gee, I sure would like to have something to eat right now. But you don't. As a continual reminder to be prayerful, to to be aware of your sinfulness and the way that it separates you from God. A little bit of a pain, kind of like a a string tied around your finger when you were a little kid. Do you remember that, maybe? Right? No? When I was a little kid, and that was a long time ago, you'd tie a string around your finger to remind you of something. My problem was I had strings on every finger because I could never remember what the first one was for, you know? So it was always like... It's fasting. It's a reminder. It's a little bit of pain in our day that says, Wait, there's something more important than a meal right now. That, I think more important thing is to be aware of the Lord's presence in our lives. To be aware that our own sinfulness separates us from Him. To be aware that there are people who go to bed tonight without anything to eat. To be aware that today there will be parents who will bury their children because their children didn't have enough food or medicine. In fact, 20,000 children will die today of starvation or starvation-related diseases in our world. Fasting is a reminder that this is our, the world that we live in, that we bear responsibility, and that doing good is about doing good because God is paying attention. It's about living as if we are on stage, but there's only one person in the audience. There's only one person that we're, we're trying to please, only one person whose pleasure even matters in the world. There's a story about this um, about this princess. Uh, she, was, uh, she lived in a very sheltered and, and secluded life. Her parents kept her in, in their, their great big home, and, and, and she wasn't allowed out like other girls. And, and so as she grew older, she got a little more rebellious, and she disguised herself. And, and she would go out into the countryside so she could just see the world. And one day she disguised herself as um, you know, uh, a sort of haggardly old woman, for lack of better terms. And she goes out into the, the countryside, and, and it begins to pour and pour rain. And so she goes to the first house that she sees, and she knocks on the door, and, and this woman comes to the, to the door, and, and she says to her, You know, might you have an umbrella? You know, I'm just caught out in the rain, and, and I'm trying to get home, and would you have an umbrella you could spare? And the woman looked at her and says, Oh, you know, you wretched thing. Yes, I'm sure I do. And she goes in, and she looks through her collection of umbrellas, and finds this radius old umbrella with holes in it, and she shoves it out the door, and, you know, kind of you know, snarkily says, Here, take this one, and slams the door shut in her face. And the princess takes the the, the umbrella and goes home and the next day returns, you know, in royal carriage, in royal attire. And she knocks on the door and she says to the woman at the home, Yesterday you loaned me this umbrella and I wanted to return it. I was in disguise and so of course you didn't recognize me. And the woman of course at the door stands aghast and she says, If only I had known it was you, I would have given you my very best. And the whole discipline of Lent is to remind us that it is the Lord who's at our door. And if only we could give him our very best. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit.